Greetings, fellow planeswalkers. I'm James. And I'm Paul. And you're listening to the newest episode of the Commander at Arms podcast. This week on the podcast, we are talking to Jake and Chris from the Command the Cause. How are you, fellas? Doing good. Happy to be here. How are you? I'm great. I'm also great. <laughs> Excellent. So we're going to get into our upkeep trigger here. Uh, I'm going to thank all of our Patreons. Uh, you guys help keep the lights on around here. We love you. Thanks for the support. Um, mail day. Has anyone got anything interesting in the mail or have you gone through your collection to find anything super interesting? So I, uh, yeah, I actually finished, uh, flushing out the last of my, um, my Thraxon Wonder deck not too long ago. And, uh, Hey, I, you know, it's better than wheels. No, let's not get into that. <laughs> <laughs> do you, uh, do you use the, uh, the heavy metal Thraxon Mundar from that secret? You better believe I do. Oh, uh, hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is uh that is one sweet looking art, BT dubs. I'm over here just uh staring at a uh tracking tracking progress bar for my Chatterfang deck. It's in China. Did you right buy the now. whole deck? But yeah. The whole deck. Oh well yeah, I proxied <laughs> it, but it's sitting in China. <laughs> so, it's out in China. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I actually have anything in the mail right now. Oh, I mean, I went to an LGS, uh, what was it, two days ago, and I picked up Ignoble Hierarch because it's, like, plummeted in price so much. I think it's, like, $10 now instead of, like, the $45 it was when uh, Modern Horizons 2 released, and I'm really happy about that. Just give it time. Yeah, it'll be 45 again. I've already got my copy, so it's totally fine. I don't I don't mind anymore because, like, it, if it goes up in price, then I've just made money on a card that was just sitting in someone's case. Mm-hmm. I have so many copies of that card. James also uh, picked up a uh, Ornithopter of Paradise from me. On Friday. I did. <laughs> I did because we were we were at at Paul. I was over at Paul's place on Friday to to sign a few cards for our uh, giveaway winner, which was Alan. Uh, that one got in the mail today, so it's getting shipped to Argentina. It's got those cards in it. I picked up Ornithopter of Paradise for. Uh, Gearhead, but that's a good segue into our next little talking point here in the upkeep, and that is to go and check out the old Norbone deck tech on YouTube. Don't forget to subscribe, hit the bell, like the video, and comment on on it for the algorithm. Tell me how I did. Tell me what what, what you would change, what you could update, what you would take out. Give us your take on that deck. Yeah, me and James were talking, and I came up with at least like I don't know five more cards in a span of seconds that could have gone on the deck. So. It wouldn't surprise me if there were, you know, at least 50 more that I missed. Um, you could build that deck basically any way you want. Uh, we were talking about this before we actually started recording. Uh, there's just... Old Gnawbone doesn't lock you into anything in particular. Treasures, funny enough, are pretty versatile. It's weird how that works. So Yeah, because it's mad. Uh, if you have something that is very unique, I'd actually like to see it. Because uh, I'm sure that there is a unique build out there that I missed. I mean, I'm almost guaranteed that there is a unique build out there that we all missed. I mean, I wanted to put Eldrazi in, in, in a version of it, but uh, Paul said no. But he had stacks pieces in it, and I said no. So we kind of compromised. <laughs> Monster with stacks. Yeah, I know, right? He was like, Winter Orb is a thing, and then we can tap it with <laughs> Clock of Omens. And I was like, Paul, what are you Paul, doing? Paul, you're, you're my kind of guy. I love those Winter Orb blocks. All right, all right, all right. Forget Winter Orb, though. Smokestack is actually so good with Old Knobbone. 
Yeah, because you're going to sack the treasures that you make. I mean, it's oh, fine. Oh, I didn't even think of that. That's nice. Yeah, we did. And then I was like, Paul, we have to take this out. And he's like, <laughs> oh, yeah. I went for a, like a plus one, plus one slight strat in there as well as like big old creatures and like evasion from things. And I was like, cool, because, you know, that's that's how it goes. But anyway, check that deck tech out on YouTube. We're going to move on now to our play of the week. Uh, Jake, did you have a play of the week? Yeah, so mine... um. It wasn't so much a play of the week as a game of the week. I was uh, in a in a tournament not too long ago uh, playing for a Commander Green deck. And I was playing Paco. I was in the final pod for second place. And I was sitting across from two Turgrids. Two Tur- Even the judges didn't want to be a part of that game. Uh, just a mess of the stack. Uh, I ended up at, at two life for probably three turns before I managed to come back with a Song of Creation Omniscience loop. Um, not so much fun in that it w- in the loop, but just being able to go against two Turgor decks and come out on top had so much satisfaction in it. Yeah. Talking from as a player who uh, the fans of the show would know uh, the, the game that Paul and I played together where I turned three pox then won the game with Turgrid is, uh, yeah, she's pretty, she's pretty, she's pretty spicy. I'm, I'm just going to say, you that. know, I actually have a Turgor deck. Uh, I've played it one time and I just, the, the dark side wasn't for me. What can I say? Yeah, my Turgrid deck turned into a Kroxa, uh Titan of Death's Hunger deck, but I still put Turgrid in the deck. I just don't go searching for her. So if she pops up, she pops up. If she doesn't, she doesn't. doesn't really phase me all that much. It still does what I want it to do, which is discard, make people discard cards and sacrifice creatures. So I'm, and I get red. So I get access to like, you know, good removal, I guess. Tutors for Turgrid. Yeah. Like Gamble. I mean, Black already has tutors, Paul. It already has Vampiric yeah, Tutor. Yeah, but who wants to run Vampiric Tutor <laughs> when you can run Profane Tutor? I mean, that's very true. I mean, I don't know. I don't even run Profane Tutor in any of my decks. And who wants to run Profane that? Tutor when you could just run Scheming Symmetry and help somebody out? <laughs> Scheming Symmetry. Yeah, or, or like Wish Call Talisman. <laughs> <laughs> See, I like Wish Call Talisman. I picked up a copy for a dollar at the card store, and Paul's like, why would you even need that card? I'm like, you just watch. Just, just, just watch. Damn it! I will figure this. I mean, card honestly, out. sometimes it's, it's like, better right. if you're looking across the table from a threat and you know they've got a counter spell. This gives you two tutors because you can just give it to someone else and let them find an answer. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Just like, hey, I'll, I'll get something that I need, and then you go get something that you need, and we can take down, take down that threat. And maybe I just, I juked you, and I'm getting something to answer what you were gonna do if you answer that. Haha. <laughs> See. Politics. You know what's actually kind of a flex is if you witch claw talisman and tutor for either uh what is it stranglehold uh sh- shadow of doubt or opposition agent oh. and then when they go to tutor you're just like oh, ah, that's funny. oh my god I don't know about that one that's, man you are me I like <laughs> see you. and Paul calls me the monster hey look I just have the ideas I don't execute them <laughs> I I actually execute them though and that's what I think is the the, the funniest yeah, part you know this. all serial killers start off just just having the ideas though that's fair all right let's not give me a bad rap all right uh chris did you have a play of the week or a game of the week i did so or do rather so i didn't win this one but i thought like the 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 end result was just my kind of flavor of just being hilariously ridiculous and just forcing somebody to get to their win (laughs) instead of being lazy about it um so I was playing in an optimized, uh, optimized pod, so basically high power, and I was running, you, you know the deck, James, I was running uh, 
Coma, the Cosmo Serpent. Oh my god, I, I hate love that, that deck. deck so much. I love that deck so much. Uh, and <laughs> I forget what the other two decks were, but they kind of were like, I don't want to, I don't want to be be rude to them, but they didn't really do as much as what I was doing to the Joyra player across from me. And it was Joyra Weatherlight Captain, and uh, so this guy's going bonkers on like the last turn so on my side of the field i had a junk winder which they shouldn't have printed but they did i love that card um junk winder sakashima uh coma and coma so his turn starts i make two coma tokens and i tap down two of his permanent they don't untap um and then he goes he proceeds to do joy or weather like captain things by putting a bunch of artifacts onto the board he has ways of bouncing back to his hand and stuff and then he goes and he plays Aetherflux Reservoir. And so Aetherflux Reservoir is on the field. I'm like, he's like, all right, I'm going to play this spell. I was like, okay, with that in a stack, I'm going to sack a serpent and tap down Aetherflux Reservoir. He's like, okay, there's one one condition gone. Um, and then he does like another thing. And uh, I think it's some like uh, sacrifice artifact shenanigans. And then I proceed to then tap down that artifact so its abilities can't be activated. And I do this three times to him. To make sure he can't do his stuff, and then he want find basically finds a way to bounce everything back to his hand, and play everything for free again. I'm like, all right, cool, now you win. But like, I made you work for it, okay? It's the best thing you can do versing a combo deck is just to make them work for it. <laughs> Couldn't he also have just instant speed? That's what I was wondering on your upkeep with the. Uh... Uh, no, he had Aetherflux Reservoir out uh, on his like he played it on his turn. Yeah, so couldn't he have just gained his life and then pass turn and then on your upkeep zap you? Well, yeah, but like. I did it like that. That the whole idea was to was to because he wasn't trying to do it that turn, and he wanted to win that turn. He didn't want to do and it. Did not you did not in the right? I see. I see. Yeah, yeah Paul. This isn't this isn't like nitpick play of the week. This is just play of the week, mate. Yeah, geez, Paul. I'm not nitpicking. I just I was making sure I wasn't misreading the situation. All right. I mean, it's called as, context. As long as we're nitpicking, you know, he could have waited until you drew your card on your turn and then zapped it just to really rub it in. Oh yeah, for sure. That's what I. That's what I would have done. Talk about the spice play. All right, let's move on now to our main phase one. Uh, Jake, do you want to explain kind of what the the, uh, command the cause is to our listeners? Um, So we are a charity-based EDH league. So think kind of like play EDH, but we're giving to charity and we're giving out some real prizes. Uh, So it's a lot like Commander Verse in that every single time you play a game, we've got some some quirky points thrown in. It might be, you know, the first one to deal combat damage. It might be the first one to tutor or combo off with four or more pieces. Uh, We've got one right now where you've got to play a partner, partner with card from your deck and tutor the other piece out. And we we change those every single week. And then we give everybody an average. So it doesn't matter how much or how little you play. It just looks at essentially your best few games. Uh, so if you want to play 20,000 games throughout the month, it gives you that much better of a chance for, for a better average, but it doesn't give you an innate uh, advantage over everyone else. So everyone plays just regular games throughout the month. They keep up with their points. They submit it in. Uh, and then at the end of end of the month, we tally it up. Whoever wins, we actually give out uh, top four, uh, win some prizes. And then the cool thing that's kind of all based around is whoever wins every single month, they get to go and actually choose what charity we're going to raise funds for in the following season. Uh, so our current, our current season champion is Fiasco TK, 
and he's the one who picked for us to raise funds for City of Hope uh, cancer treatment and research. Dude, that's awesome. Yeah, we, we try and keep charity forefront and center of the whole thing. Uh, of course, you know, some people just want to jam games, and that's fine. Some people love the competition aspect. That's fine. We do some really weird things, too. We got a, we've got a D&D theme going in right now. Um, Chris here actually ran, a, ran what we call a dungeon event last night for that. Yeah, it's basically just a big group of people. We come together, we play games, and then we all raise funds for a good cause uh, at, at the same time. And we let the winner choose choose what we raise funds for. So if any of our listeners wanted to get involved in that, what's the best way to, to do that? The best way is honestly going to be to just hop into our Discord. Uh, I think we're going to share that on the podcast here. But yeah, just hop in, give yourself the lead contestant role by reacting to a quick comment, and then hop into a queue and type exclamation mark LFG and you're on your way. We also have a a website too. It's uh, www.commandthecause.org. We post all of our events there, all of our results. Uh, We've got a Discord invite link there. You can see how much we've raised in previous seasons. And most importantly, you can donate there. Ah, that's that was going to be my next question is how, is how can how can people donate? So all that information will be in the show notes below or the description below if you're watching this on YouTube. Um, and I guess with that, let's get into some uh, some spicy little questions here we have for you guys just to get to know you a little bit better and and how you guys get got into into magic. So, uh, Chris, when did you start playing magic? I started playing back in like. Uh... I think it was 2012, 2013-ish, uh, when Theros came out. Uh, Winston coincidentally makes Theros my favorite block. <laughs> and I was so happy when uh, we went to Theros Beyond Death, because it's just a whole Greek mythology thing, and I just love it. That was like, what What year was that? That was like, what, 2005? No, it was like 2012, 2013, because that was when I was oh. about to... Because I was, I was preparing... The only reason I remember that specifically is because I was preparing to uh, uh, get out of the Navy at the time. I remember because uh, I, st- I started with uh, M12, Corset M12, like right around, when, right, right after Innistrad came out, or when that block finished, rather. Um, and I just remember being so excited for Theros because I am Greek. Uh, I'm 50% Greek. My dad is from, from Greece. So I, w- I was just like, oh, wow, my heritage. And uh, it really bothered me how some of the names, the gods are like so close to, 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 to actual names of gods. But just sound weird to me because I hear the way my dad pronounces them, <laughs> and they're just like so clearly not what they're supposed to be to my ears. I don't know; it's weird. <laughs> can you uh can you pronounce one in the official Greek pronunciation? Um, I cannot. Uh, I will butcher darn. it. <laughs> He's too American. But for those of you who don't know, actually, since we're on this topic, there actually exists a uh, there is exactly one magic card in his entire history that was printed in Greek. And it is questing Feldegriff from Plane Shift. Uh, it was printed as a promo, and I had my dad read that card to me, and it's actually surprising how accurate it is. Huh, that's interesting. I have to look that up. Yeah, that's that's super cool. I didn't even know that was a thing. Yeah, there was a uh, there was also I think the card Valor. It's a white card that gives your creatures first strike. Was printed in Hebrew. Uh, there's there's a whole cycle of uh, of cards that were printed in, in languages only one time. Uh, so if you ever get the chance, go ahead and look that up. It's pretty cool. Yeah, go Google. The that. more you know. Normally we say normally we tell you don't Google things, but go and Google <laughs> that one. One of them was printed in Sanskrit, which is actually pretty. Sanskrit. Wait, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. I don't remember what card that was. 
Next, you'll tell me that there was a card, buddy, uh, printed in Windings. No, that doesn't. <laughs> uh, unless Phyrexian counts. <laughs> yeah. I guess Phyrexian kind of counts. It counts more than anything else. <laughs> uh, so, Jake, how did you... Uh, well, sorry, when did you start playing Magic? Oh, the first time or the real time? Goodness. The first time... Uh, back when Yu-Gi-Oh! was popular, so mid to late 90s. Uh, did, didn't play it for very long uh, back when I was a kid. Started seriously back in 2015. Uh, and it was right before uh, Kaladash came out. And I remember that because my very first booster box I ever bought was Kaladash. And it had a Masterpiece Soul Ring in it. I was so excited to sell oh, it wow. for $150 <laughs> and buy another booster box. So I did that. And to this day... <laughs> To this day, that haunts me. Isn't it amazing, like how little we value those cards when they first come out, and being like, "Oh, this is 150 bucks. Let's go and sell it and get a new box." And then, like, like right now, I think that card's like worth like 500 dollars. Probably 750 at this point. Yeah, it is pretty expensive. Like, you'd want to go back to your older self and just be like, "Hey, keep that card. It's gonna be worth a lot of money." Like everybody who has like ab duels and everything back then who were playing them unsleeved on the concrete and you're just like dude let's not do that they're thousands of dollars now in 2021 and you'll be like a hundred thousand here if you just kept all those like ab duels you know if it makes you feel any better uh i have owned three masterpieces in my in my time playing this game uh i currently own two i have a mana crypt and i have a uh crucible world at one point i had a masterpiece uh a chalice of the void and I traded that thing at, I think it was like 50 bucks at the time. And boy, oh boy, was that a mistake. (laughs) (laughs) You're killing me, Paul. Says the man who lost his tabernacle at Pendrel Vale for a good week. I mean, to be fair, (laughs) when the hell am I going to use a chalice of the void? (laughs) I mean, that's fair. We don't, we don't play modern. So it's, it's totally, it's totally fair. I understand it. I think the only masterworks that I'm looking at picking up would be uh, the Cloudstone Curio. That's a good one. I will never in my life own another masterpiece just out of spite. Especially, I just looked up the price while we were here talking. $964. One hundred sixty-four. Nine hundred sixty-four. Oh, okay. Oh, $964. Wow. Was that second booster box worth? No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. <laughs> I didn't think you'd make a thousand dollars out of a uh, out of a standard set. No, and it, it was it wasn't even Kaladash, which had you know good value in it. It was um, a Monkhead, is what I used it on. Aether Revolt. Oh, I'm like, yeah. Oofed. That's I, that's a big feel. I think spot. I got I'm a Glorybringer out of it. It's <laughs> fine. It's it's in a deck somewhere now. I'm sure. <laughs> Same thing, really. But is it nine hundred and sixty-five dollars worth? Like like hey, fine. It's, it's not all about the money. Sometimes it's about the friends we make along the way. That's it. And the money they lost us. Friendship is not a destination. All right. So, Chris. Yeah. How did you get into EDH? Um, so, I'd actually taken a bit of a hiatus from when Theros came out because I got out of the Navy. And you know what you don't have a lot of when you leave the Navy? Money. money. You don't have a lot of money. <laughs> so, um, I had just stopped playing. I still had a, like almost all of my cards. I just didn't play anymore. Um, and then I had rejoined, (laughs) I had rejoined and, uh, as a reservist. And one of the guys that I was with was like, Hey, 
you play Magic? I was like, well, I used to. He's like, do I play again? I'm like, I don't really know. Like, it was, like, it was that, like, that, that Rebby Rotten uh, meme. He's like, you play Magic? No. Do you wanna? <laughs> you know, that, that thing. And, yeah. uh, and I was like, I don't know, man. Like, it's just so much money. And so he was like, well, sit down. We'll, play, we'll, we'll just play a quick one-on-one uh, game. And I, I played, and I was like, oh, my God. I love this game. This is so much fun. Uh, and since then, this is in 2018. Mind you, it's been three years. I now own uh, about 19 decks with four more being created. I thought I was bad. I think I have, like, 15. I have a lot. I'm up to, like, 28, so... Oh my lord. How do you even get a chance to play all those decks, though? Well, good question. You know, when you've got a, a server of 900 people just waiting to play games with you, it makes it a lot easier. You know, you don't have to go out to your friend's house and set up a night and stop and get beer. You just you, you just go into the server. Plus, a lot of <laughs> a lot of Jake's decks are probably fun and not filthy combo decks. Um, oh, hold on a second there. Calm down for a well, second. So you need to calm down. He it's said like, he was an not. ex-combo player. I, I, I still dabble. <laughs> I don't know if anybody would call my Paco deck fun. It is not fun. <laughs> Yet alone my Orvar deck. Oh my gosh. I just like decks that are, you know, optimize they know they know what they want to do. They have a good mana curve. I can do multiple things in a turn. I, I don't like just getting into, like, I got four mana, I'll play a four drop and I'll pass, and watch everyone else, like, take, you know, 20-minute turns when they're doing, like, multiple things, and then I come back and, like, I'm just drop a land and pass. James, I have a question. I probably have an answer for you. How many decks do you currently play that have Jewel Lotus in it? <laughs> that is actually a really good question. Exactly. <laughs> Hold on. I've got this. Uh, Trilane, Najila, Raynar, uh, Gishath... He, he just got one in him. That's actually it. Only four of them. Not Geared? You don't have one in Oh, Geared? yeah. Sorry, Geared. Yeah, my <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, I forgot Geared. Like, I was looking at... So I, was, I have my deck boxes on, on my desk. So I was staring at them. I'm like looking at the pictures of the box. I'm like, what's in that deck? Does that deck have a Jeweled Lotus in it? Um, but yeah, those five are the only ones that have uh, have Jeweled Lotuses in them. The Croaksa deck has a Lotus Petal. It's kind of like a jeweled lotus, but for Croaksa, because it's a turn one Croaksa. Yikes. You sickened me. It was your suggestion. <laughs> you you brought that to me. You were like, hey, Lotus Petal goes in that deck really cool because like it's a turn one Croaksa and you know discarding a card out of the hand turn one just you know seems good. And I went, yes, it does. It's going in the deck. I told you, I just have the ideas. You don't have to do them. <laughs> but you put the seeds in my mind and then I have to do it. Like that's just how it works. I go whoa that is a cool combo line i have to pull this off now it's so bad that like i'll build a deck and then i'm like yep cool these are all my lines and then i'll think of a new line before i get to play it and then i'll try and pull that line off and realize it's not in the deck (laughs) sounds like every time ever when i play orvar and i like go to do the combo line and i get halfway through it it's like oh shoot i don't have this combo in here i'm gonna have to find a new one and just make it up real quick it's the worst feeling ever I, I kind of like it. It challenges you. It's like, how do you how do you get out of this? I uh, I had a moment like that. I uh, I built a deck with a friend of mine. Uh, his name is Alex. Uh, I built a deck with my friend Alex. Uh, it was a Kenrith. It was Kenrith combo tribal. The deck just <laughs> plays like pretty much every popular modern slash legacy combo and or that we could fit into a deck. And uh, I absolutely scuffed the combo I was trying to do. 
uh, but I somehow finessed it with like a karmic guide, and I I forgot what else I had with it. I I I, I had a karmic guide. I made an infinite reanimate combo with Kenrith out of pure air, out of out of pure scratch. I completely ruined the combo I was actually trying to do, and I made it look like I always intended to do that combo <laughs> that I was doing. No, I was like, Ridiculous. nobody will notice now. <laughs> that was like my very first time playing combo on Discord. And that was like, I was playing, I was playing Tulane for the very first time as a Tulane combo deck. And I got to the point where I could draw my entire library and the guy's like, yeah, okay. So you draw your library, then what? And I was like, well, hang on a second, bro. Like, just chill. And he's like, where's your lab man? Where's Jace? I'm like, I don't run those cards. I've got things in here. Like, I, I swear to God, I've got stuff in here. And I was so flustered and like, just, I felt rushed that I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to draw my deck. I'm going to lose. I'm going to go and study my deck and I'm going to go and figure it out and I'll come back. And I, I never spoke to that guy ever again. Sounds, sounds like a good plan. But my my first experience in combo was just like, yeah, me getting like so excited to draw my entire library. And then he's like, yeah, well, now what do you do? Like, you're just going to lose because you're not going to have a of cards in your library. And since then, I've learned to always leave cards in my library. Jake. <laughs> How did you get into uh, Commander? Uh, I don't really have any exciting story for it. We were, you know, when we started playing back in 2015, uh, it's the same group of friends I still play with a lot today. In fact, I'll I'll gladly be sitting with them later this week and drinking a beer and playing Magic. Um, but we used to sit there and play, you know, four, five, six-person games using our 60-card 60, 60 kitchen table decks. Uh, and, and that finally just became a slog fest. We got tired of it and... And we just started hearing about EDH on Reddit all the time. And finally, after a few weeks, convinced everyone to do it. I went out and bought the the first uh, collection with all four commander decks in it. Uh, immediately started building a Kumina one because I was running Merfolk and Standard and Modern at the time. So it just seemed fitting. Uh, and I don't think I've played a 60 card format since then. Probably back in 2017. Wow, playing playing a six person game of sixty card kitchen table. That it, is, uh, it was interesting, but that was live that for nuts. a while. <laughs> I played a. Uh, I had found the dash mechanic back in Dragons of Takar. I made a dash deck with you know impact tremors is every bit as filthy in a in a sixty card deck with four people as commander, uh, especially with four of them. It oh, was, of course, it, it was honestly <laughs> dirty back in the day before I understood what power levels were. You know what's funny is that I actually. Uh, I started as a limited player uh, back in, like I said, I started like right after Innistrad Block had concluded, um, and I started playing a lot of limited with Theros Block, and I'll never forget my first experience. I mentioned this on the show, but I don't know if you guys have heard that episode, but my first experience with Commander was I was at the shop. I was playing limited. I scrubbed out pretty early on. I just, you know, I said, you know what? Just take me out. I don't want to play anymore. And uh, I got my pity pack, and then I went over to the table where a couple people were playing with really large uh, decks of cards, right? And I was like, hey, what the heck are you guys doing? And they're like, oh, we're playing Commander. You want to try? And I was like, Commander? What's that? Why do you have a card face up outside over there? It's like, that's my Commander. I was like, you know what? Sure, I'll give it a shot. And this guy lends me a Niv-Mizzet, uh, what's the one from Return to Ravnica? Hivemind? Firemind? Hivemind. Decker Genius? Firemind. There you go. No, Draco Genius. That's the one. He, he gives me his uh, Nimizit Draco Genius deck. And my opening hand was literally like 
so much mana and a couple counter spells, and I instantly fell in love, and I never stopped playing after that. <laughs> so it's really not commander you love; it's uh, countering other people's spells. Counter spell, counter spell, counter spell. I think it's have uh, the appeal of commander to me is like just all the cards you can play. Uh, you can do so many more things on any given turn than you can in other formats, like. There's just so many different things that can happen in a game that uh, it's it really is a different experience each time. Like, I've never had a commander game that was exactly the same as a previous one, even in higher powered uh, pods. I've had decks run like quite similarly to a game before. So like I've played I one deck two times in a row and come out with the almost the same turn one. <clears throat> that actually just happened to me recently when i went to the card store i played Doretti, and my opening hand was mana crypt into a jeweled lotus into a one drop something and my and then then like the next game same thing happened and the guy was like are you like cheating i was like no nah, man you watched me shuffle and you cut my deck for me so yeah it was that was kind of interesting and i was like all right cool uh, i guess turn one Doretti again mana crypt out and uh he's a expo map i was like yep cool I think a lot of that comes down to your mindset with Commander. Like, you you say games aren't the same ever, and I think that's true, but I think it's true only if that's what you make out, out of it. You know, if, if you're sitting there at a competitive table, I think it's it's pretty likely that somebody's going to have a demonic tutor, they're going to tutor for the same card every single time. And Yeah, that's true. What it comes down to is just not doing that. You know, I, I you know that Chatterfang deck I said I'm waiting for in the mail, I took my tutors out of it because I knew every single time I had a tutor, I was just going to tutor for pitiless plunderer and win. Um, and then, and, that, and that's not fun because like you said, it's the same thing. So I, I cut them out and yeah. Yeah. I guess like the fun side of commander is taking out the, uh, the, sorry, it's, it's adding the variance. So taking out the tutors and adding the variance. So you're worried about like what you're going to draw and not what you can just tutor out as, as quick as possible. Um, I guess that's kind of where I sat with Commander for a while. It's like, well, now I have access to all these tutors, and now it's the restraint of not putting every single tutor that I own into a deck, even if it's in those colors. Because it's like, do I still want this deck to be fun? Yes. If I have a tutor, what am I going to tutor for? You know, is it going to be removal, or is it going to be like a stacks piece, a hate piece, a ramp piece? Like, what am I going to tutor for? So it was just like, when I put Gear Aid back together, I was like, all right, there's going to be very minimal amount of tutors in there and i think i only have two in there and i go and get different things at all the time because there is no combos in that deck it's literally like i'll go and tutor for a morog if i need to win or i'll tutor for god i've tutored for a uh for a, a dork before because i needed the 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 ramp to get into my fifth drop to be able to then get into my commander so hey I mean, look i have demonic tutored and vampiric tutored for counter souls more times than i can count on two hands I've vampiric tutored for lands a lot too. <laughs> I am not ashamed of it. Like sometimes you just have to. Like you just you you, you know you you've got a really good hand, but you have like a four drop. And you only have three mana, and you have a vampiric tutor. You're like, I'll just go get an another land. I have recursion in this deck. I can get that vampiric tutor back and use it for something else later if I want to. Well, and if you if you've got it in your opening hand, you're like, okay, I'm gonna keep this. I know I can turn it into a land, but if not, I can I can do something fun with it. It just opens up a lot of options. Yeah, exactly. So I think like if you're not if you're not tutoring for the same thing every single game that you play that deck, unless that deck literally has like one line in it that you're trying to achieve every single time, then that just becomes like a, a hundred card modern deck, really. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I one of my my, my 
biggest stance on uh, on tutors is just I generally just don't run them or like you said there's it's I'm gonna go for a different card every time like my hydro deck Gargos everyone everyone knows it um worldly tutors in there but I'm like sometimes I just want a three drop or sometimes I need a I need that uh like a big dumb hydra to come onto the field at some point so yeah i mean that's 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 totally it so we're going to just we're going to ask one more question we're going to go to an ad break here uh so jake can you tell us the story of how command of the cause came to be oh yes man it's a little embarrassing though so i'm going to need this to be a judgment free zone oh um, no no judgment here at all uh. always is always <laughs> has been always will be so man you, you you can ask us how Com- uh, commander arm started that's that's pretty embarrassing too. so this was back in this was like mid-november probably and you know i, I i'm a single bachelor i'm just you know, I, I live alone minus my dog so i'm sitting here one night in november and i'm i'm drinking a beer and i'm i'm watching of all things a chick flick rom-com about christmas I went through this mood one day. I watched like three of them. I don't know what got into me. But I was watching a movie called Operation Christmas Child. And I won't, you know, I won't spoil it for any of you rom-com fans out there. But uh, basically, you know, they save Christmas for all these people. And you and you see a, a guy do this big generous feat or whatever. And I, and I was sitting there. And, you know, I was, I was very gifted all throughout COVID. You know, I got to keep my job and uh live comfortably and unfortunately a lot of people didn't and i knew that with christmas coming around that was gonna be a problem for some people and i was sitting there and i was like man i I wish i could do something like this i wish i could i wish i could make a little islanders christmas day um and i I was just sitting there having some drinks and about 2 a.m i woke up i know this is how every story goes but i swear to god i woke back up at 2 a.m that night it's like i've got it I, I can do an EDH league, you know, I can, I can partner with play EDH. I can get people online to start rallying together for the cause. Uh, so at the very next day I got started, I was involved with, within another community at the time. And I was talking to them about it. Unfortunately, I did not get it done in time for Christmas. Um, so I didn't get to achieve my goal there, but the, the idea just kind of kept going, going on. Um, I always wanted to play in an EDH league. So I started researching points. I paid a guy off Fiverr to make a bot for us, which if you join our server, you probably know there's no bot in there. It didn't, didn't work. That was a that was a whole episode in and of itself. Uh, but, but yeah, it was just your typical 2 a.m. fever dream, sitting there watching a movie about people doing good in the world while I was sitting there being lazy on my couch and, and wanted to do something to, to, to give back and to try and capture a little bit of that feeling. And we've been capturing it ever since. In my head, when you were telling that story, I just, I can imagine it was like 2 a.m. It was a dimly lit room. And then you're like, you, you like woke up, jumped out of bed, covered in sweat going, I have to do this. That, that, that's exactly <laughs> what it was. I, I got out of bed and I, I don't, I don't keep my phone by my bed sometimes so I can help sleep. I got out of bed and I walked over to my phone and I got on discord and the community. I was part of like, guys, you got to hear this idea. If anybody like writes the screenplay for this like if if, if 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 this ever became a movie and someone has to write the screenplay like i want to see that scene that i see in my head on the screen because that's just it's like that that's a rom-com in itself essentially it is minus the fact i'm still single so ladies if you're out there you know hit me up 
Also, tune into Jake's uh, soon to soon to come uh, rom com podcast where he discusses all the latest Hallmark movies. Oh yeah, you know the way I like it. Um, I do, you know, while we're on the subject, though, I will give a shout out. My uh, my co-founder, uh, his Discord tag is Foot and Mouth. Uh, we, we were part of the same group. Never met this guy a day in my life in real life. Um, but we were part of the same community and and he got on board. And he's like, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll help out a little bit. And little did he know he was going to be doing more work than me, probably. Um, and ever ever since day one of Inception, he's been incredibly support, supporting. He's uh, He's helped make this a reality couldn't do it without him sad he couldn't be here with us today but definitely want to give a shout out to him because he's he's done like i said every bit of what i've done for this and and then some that's awesome we'll get him on the show eventually when, when we get you guys back maybe we'll uh we'll have his over to do a, some gameplay stuff with us when we eventually get that up and running um but lastly here before we go into our ad break uh chris how did you get involved with command the cause um so <laughs> My story is probably the same with a lot of people um, uh, in the, uh, what I like to call the great hiatus <laughs> or the, the great, uh, the great migration from play ADH. I've been playing in play ADH for a little while, but like I'd stopped playing and that's kind of how I came upon uh, your guys' server, James and Paul. Yeah. Um, because like the people just kind of sucked there for one. It was really hard to like gauge any power levels and stuff and, then I moved to servers to you guys' server, and it was a little bit better for sure. Uh, everyone's decks were, for the most part, on the same power level, and we had we had talks, and we were all cool with each other. Um, and then Play H decided to do their, hey, we're gonna charge you money now, and we're gonna make it so that we try to be, you know, all encompassing, but we're actually not. And I was like, oh, that's not cool. That's super not cool. So, without another word, I dipped out of there. Uh, I saw where I read a post talking about a bunch of different. Uh, Bunch of different other servers, and one of them that popped up on there was the was the Command the Cause one. I was like, oh, I'll take a look at it. Why not? And um, <laughs> now here we are, where I uh, I'm now part of the part of the mod team with uh, with them, and I work on the Sunday streams that we have, um, where we'll we'll grab one of one of the community members and uh, some of the other guys and play a game or two of. Uh, as a commander on Sundays while streaming. It, it, it took me a few attempts to get Albino on board, but we are uh, wouldn't be here without him now. <laughs> he's become an integral part of the of the the mod. Oh, absolutely. He's uh, he's definitely one of our most uh, engaged engaged community members as a whole. And I know what I know about computers about as much as I know about rocks. I can throw them. So I literally, our stream, everything that comes from that could not be possible without Chris here. I love my computers. What can I say? <laughs> but thank you. I, thank you. I wish I had a, uh, a better gaming computer so that I could, I could be streaming as well. But uh, Paul and I are going to try and fix that eventually soon. But no, man, that, that sounds really cool how you guys got started and everything. Um, so what we're going to do now is we're going to move to our combat phase. And everyone knows this is where we're going to go and hear a message from our sponsors right now welcome back from that ad break we're going to continue our discussions and conversations with chris and jake from command the cause so fellas we've got some more questions here for you i'm going to start with this 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 one's pretty spicy i like this question a lot uh i think this is actually one of uh, a question that paul brought up and it was uh, a brand new player comes to you and says i want to build a commander deck 
What commander slash strategy would you recommend to them and why? That that really is a hard one. Um, and, and I've answered that question so many times. So I, I went back and, and I've been thinking about it. And I don't think I've ever given the same answer twice. I think, especially for a new player, it's good to ask them, you know, what elements do you like about the game? Have you seen anything about a deck that you like? Uh, you know, how well do you understand the rules? Um, and then go from there. But as I'm thinking about it, if I, if I had to go with just one kind of a deck, one strategy, no information else about the, about the new player, I would probably have to go with some kind of tribal, uh, just, you know, just show them pictures of different tribes say, Hey, what's your, what's your favorite fantasy creature or something? And, and then go from there. Just, I don't know. They're easy to figure out. They can do a lot of different stuff. They can be aggro they can be combo and and you you can kind of resonate with them you know i think any little five-year-old boy loves dragons and can resonate with a dragon deck and i think that's important in commander uh to to keep it a social aspect and to always have fun is have some kind of a resonance or some kind of a connection with your deck even if it's something very superficial that's actually a really good answer and not one that i had considered myself like honestly Elf Ball was coincidentally probably a really good deck for people to start off with. Like it's elves. People know what elves look like for the most part. There's very little difference between elves, even between different like interpretations of them. Like Wood Elves in D D look a lot like the card Wood Elf from Magic, which also looks a lot like Wood Elves from Skyrim, which also looks like yeah. you know Legolas you get the, from Lord you get of the, the Rings. Idea. You know, people. It's easy for people to identify with and kind of understand or or have some kind of a connection with. Yeah, that's actually uh, that that that's a that's a really good answer. I just want to follow up a little bit here um, before we before we ask uh, Chris. Now you said uh, everyone likes dragons, or if, if 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 someone said like, oh, you know, I like dragons, and you want to build dragon tribal, which dragon commander would you suggest for them? I think I think the Ur Dragon is a pretty pretty cut and basic one. There, um, I think he's got an ability that's relatively easy to use. This is someone who's never built a commander or a dragon deck. Um, either that, or I was, you know I was gonna say the new Tiamat, but. I think that's too hard. I, I would I would probably just go with the Ur Dragon, especially if they could pick up the pre-con and and have a really easy starting point. Yeah, that's actually not a bad answer. I was I was leaning more towards Tiamat, but I guess like me as an experienced player, kind of knowing like what I could go and get with with Tiamat's uh, ETB ability, maybe yeah, maybe maybe Ur Dragon is the best one for uh, for a new starter player. Or or better yet you know, do Morphon and say, hey, it's called Elder Dragon Highlander for a reason. You have to play Elder Dragon Tribal. <laughs> and then that's their deck, Elder Tribal. Like, that's what you have to start with. It's a rule. Wow, that's that's cool. See, but the problem with Morphon is that it might not be intuitive to a new player that it reduces colored costs of cards. Well, but I insert, insert Elder <laughs> Dragon Commander here then. Yeah, <laughs> Chris, what about yourself? So, um, Jake's answer was super good and makes my answer kind of like not as awesome. But for me, for me, I sit there and I say, what is the easiest thing to do? Swing face. You just go, you put a creature in board, you say, I attack. <laughs> That's the easiest thing. So for me, I would recommend like Galia of the Endless Dance or another like aggro style commander and then just beat face. That's all I want the player to do because it's the simplest thing you can do. And it's also super effective. Uh, and the reason why I specifically said Galia is because 
I actually built a beginner Galia deck that, uh, and she her effect just allows her to refill your hand um, when you swing with a lot of creatures. So that's why I, I specifically like that 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 deck a lot in terms of t teaching a new player how to or, or uh, giving a beginner a new deck or a deck for the first time and letting them go. I put creature, I swing. Galia is a card I actually uh, like forgot existed. She's awesome, dude. <laughs> I actually like that's a very another very good answer because it brings to light like something that probably wouldn't see play if not for being in the hands of somebody who just needs something to just you know do, just turn stuff sideways, get rewarded for it, and uh, I think both of your answers were pretty great in their own respective uh, ways because of that. Chris, isn't isn't Galia a, a, a sadder tribal commander? She is. As apparently, a lot of people don't build their Seder tribal. Uh, uh, I did because I thought. Well, it was see, silly. see, what I say, tribal. What I say, tribal. <laughs> tribal. <laughs> tribal wins out. I'm also more of a tribal player myself, anyway. Like my first deck was Knights Tribal, and then my second deck was Hydra Tribal. So I mean, <laughs> I have played against a Hydra Hydra Tribal deck too, and it's uh, it's pretty, it's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> It's it's pretty stompy. It's pretty uh, it, it it's really good. I know when I taught brand new players to play Commander, I was, it was just magic in general. Um, I gave them Gearhead, uh, Exile Conclave, and Obun, uh, Maldaya's Ancestor, because they're both just you know put cards on the field and then swing with them, or whenever you do something, something else happens. Like you know, like it has doubling season in it to make more rhinos. But basically, like it was just put everything on the board and you know just swing with those and then kind of calculate damage from there because i thought that was just the easiest way to to teach them how to play so when we played our very first when they played their very first pod it was three naya decks and a teamer deck so it was gishat sun's avatar obun and Gearhead, and i was playing kalamax big old thunderbutt sounds like at least one of those was a tribal deck uh the dino <laughs> deck was a tribal deck i like to think that my right that my gear deck is a tribal deck because it makes rhinos and that's all i really use to populate is just the rhino so it, it just makes a lot of rhinos uh and then the obun deck is obviously a landfall uh lands matters deck and that was really fun to, sh to show a new player that like hey your resources can become creatures to swing in and attack like that's a whole other aspect of the game that i didn't get to show them in the jumpstart game that we played uh earlier earlier in the night to kind of give them the idea of like how to cast spells and what a land is and what different kinds of cards are and they caught on really quick and you know sometimes they weren't drawing every single turn and i was like hey man always be drawing abd always be drawing <laughs> and uh yeah it was super interesting and fun to see a, a new player who has never played magic before and was very much like well, what about this legendary? Like, what about this character? Like, oh, can I be this character? It was like, no, no, no. Like, your deck is like, you play, you don't actually play as a character like in D&D. &D. And they were like, oh, but they were thinking it was kind of like D&D &D aspects where it's like, you know, you, you role played as a character. And I was like, well, you're technically role playing as, you know, the leader of an army and you, you have a general and then all the spells you cast come out of your brain kind of thing. And that kind of made them more, uh, like... I guess it was just, it was easier for them to understand the way that the game works worked then outside of like being a card game. I mean, to be honest, Magic it is pretty much D&D. You are the character, right? You are a planeswalker and the only difference is that the spells that you're casting have actual like 
costs and you know paper material forms man yeah. I, I wish you guys could have been a fly on the wall in our conversation yesterday you, you know one of our events we do called unquote quote the dungeon is like mixing D D with it and i was i've never played D much in my life so i was talking to chris and one of our other mods and i was like guys guys how do we make this game more like D D? so anytime you have someone wanting to play D D, send them our way we've we, we can mix the two for them. I, I am a dungeon master. All you gotta do is voice act. That's that's how you mix the two. That's, that's really it, yeah. <laughs> really over-exaggerate your, uh, <laughs> your turns and what you're doing. Just like, I draw my card for turn. Be Yu-Gi-Oh. Oh, yes, it's the card that I wanted. Yeah, just like really Yu-Gi-Oh, like anime it out. And that's how you would roleplay a, a game of magic. Play your next pathetic card, Yu-Gi. My father says, "How many pathetic cards, Kyla?" How many times have we made that joke at a table? And oh my god, like that would be the funnest way to record a gameplay. Would just be like the voiceovers being like, "Ha ha ha ha! You've only got one more turn left before I execute my infinite combo and win the game, Kyber. Maybe not Kyber for you know like copyright reasons, but ha ha ha, Jake." <laughs> it sounds like we need to do a game and then we uh we take Yu-Gi-Oh voice lines and double them over ours for the whole thing. Uh yes. That sounds like a copyright claim waiting to happen. No, 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 no. What we'll do is we'll take their lines and slightly alter it and change them, make them our own, but take like their their <laughs> vibe and their like uh like their inspiration and we'll we'll make it magic wise and we'll do like a magic anime gameplay series. <laughs> that honestly sounds you, great. You've you've heard it here it first. Commander at Arms and Command the Cause collab anime styled gameplay yes. videos. May or may not be in the works. <laughs> so many misplays incoming, by the way, because of the acting. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be so... I, I'm, I'm so down for that. You know what's funny? When I used to play Yu-Gi-Oh, I would actually draw just like Yu-Gi. Yeah, same. Because uh, I, I was a little kid and I remember one time my friends, were, we were all playing and they were like, look, he even draws like Yu-Gi. And I was like, oh man, they must really think highly of me. And now as an adult, I look back, I was like, oh, those little jerks were making fun of me. Poor little nerd me. You told an embarrassing story on the podcast. I'm going to let everybody in a little embarrassing story about myself here now. Because you said you drew like Yugi. Uh, my brother got one of the Shadow Realm dual discs for Christmas. And uh, I got the regular one for Christmas. And we would stand in the backyard uh, of, of our house. And we would, you know, have a duel while in the, like, in the, in, in the backyard. And I'd be like, draw my card for turn. Oh, I set two cards down and play... Stand stone giant and face up to attack position. It's your turn and like act out and everything. And our backyard was not very uh private. And we were doing it one day, and then I could hear the neighbors snickering and like laughing at us. And I was like, <laughs> oh, this is super embarrassing. And but we we enjoyed it. We were like fifteen and and ten or something, whatever whatever our ages were. And yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun, but we used to do a lot of that stuff anyway. So which kind of got me into like the D and D aspect of it. Like we used to like run around with rakes and, and like any kind of like gardening tool and use it as swords. And we got told not to a lot of the times by our parents, but we did it anyway. Cause you know, what's Wait. the fun of like, you know, hitting each other with sticks. You guys don't still do that. Look, okay. <laughs> I would still do that if I had a backyard. Let's be honest. <laughs> I would do it if I had a back that worked. The, the only difference between then and now is that his parents can't yell at him about it. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, 
anytime I pick up any kind of tool that has like a long pole, I instantly become a ninja. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude. <laughs> like I still like uh when I was uh when I was working with poles, uh I would like the the skimmer because it was long enough. I'd still swing it around like it was a bow staff and just do like <laughs> ninja while I was at work. Like I was walking around like people paid guests who were pay you know to be at the resort, and I'm just slinging this bloody uh. The, the the pool skimmer around and like flinging it around and stuff like it's a boat stuff and i'm like i probably shouldn't do this <laughs> i guess old habits die hard are you I telling guess. me you don't keep a pair of lightsabers handy in the living room for these kind of moments because i do <laughs> uh no they're actually in the closet but they're also the glass ones that sit on the shelf oh yes yes uh, they're like the really expensive like black ones uh, yeah, like the, yeah. the black branded ones i think they're called um the really so... nice ones yeah, they're the really nice ones. So not saying that I, I have the plastic ones, but there also was a year at Christmas where uh, I bought Kylo Ren's lightsaber and his mask, and my brother bought Anakin's lightsaber, and we full-on had a mad like lightsaber duel in the backyard of my mom's place. And it was recorded, and I think I saw the video somewhere, where we like voice act lines and everything. And like, there was full on like stunts being performed. And like, he was pushing me back with the force. I was like falling back on the ground and I, you know, sweeped his leg and he'd fall over and it was brutal, bro. Like you swept the leg. Oh <laughs> yeah. Sweep, sweep the leg. You always got to sweep the Nerds. leg. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's just what we did. I mean, I grew up in a, a, a very rural, small town, uh, in Australia, so I mean, we really didn't have that much to do when we were growing up, besides playing video games. And because there were so many of us kids, my parents would kick us outside, and what we have to do is beat each other up because it's fun, you know. Ah, oh, good old days. Anyway, uh, we we digress down of some weird rabbit hole there about uh, role playing and stuff. Uh, I'm going to ask another question here, uh, Jake. What has been your favorite magic experience of all time? You know, I think I think that might be the hardest one. Um... And I'm going to have a really weird answer for it. Uh, but I think just just making Command the Cause and specifically, you know, if I had to think of one specific moment while playing Magic that I think is my favorite. Uh, a few weeks ago, uh, I don't know, probably a month now, we were doing a Flash event and it's called a Bounty. Uh, basically, it's an arch enemy game and, and there's some modifiers. And it was my first time letting somebody else run the event. And I'm used to just. I'm I'm used to my Paco deck doing it, so I I'm confident in the in the power level it's going to present, and uh, and then they started losing uh, pretty pretty badly. So I I was there, you know, I had, I had uh, been relaxing that night, you know, I had a couple of drinks, and and I hop in the game and I just start DMing it. Never played D and D in my life, never DM'd in my life, uh, and I just started making them roll dice in the middle of the game and and changing the rules on them, and that and that's kind of where our current flash event that we've been doing comes from but just that first time doing it and everyone's just sheer laughter at the ridiculousness of what was of what was happening in that game has easily got to be my favorite single game or set period of of magic that sounds like it would have been a lot of fun to be a part of yeah honestly it was way more fun when we had no rules and we were just making it up than it is now but I mean, you've got to have rules and, and some sort of structure to it. Otherwise, it just becomes like unbridled chaos. Oh, and that's that's what it was. I can guarantee you that. 
<laughs> I, I think I think I was using Uno cards at one point to reverse turns and skip turns. Wow, talk about yeah, talk about like mashing like four or five <laughs> IPs together to come up with this brilliant idea for a new game. Hey, you know if, if wizards can bring in outside IPs, so can I. Mine just happened to be Crazy Eights. <laughs> like draw four. Oh, actually draw fours would be really good in in magic yeah one might almost say too mm. good yeah <laughs> maybe the wild cards it's like you draw four but you can only play spells of certain colors for that turn i, I think i think you're sleeping on the most powerful crazy eight card in magic yeah what's that the red five just think of everything you could do with that in magic i've never played crazy eight, so i don't know <laughs> yeah uh there are endless possibilities of what you could do with that card in Magic, but the rules would just be ridiculous to, to keep up with. I mean, I mean, the rules we have for our for our our final D and D little crossover game. I mean, Chris can probably tell you they're they're pretty extensive. I feel like they're very extensive. It's probably two or three pages of Google Docs for each for each one. Wow. I, I write a Google Doc for the for the script every single week and, and I know how, how intensive that is and it's just a literally just dot points of like talking points what we're going to be doing. Uh, so I couldn't imagine doing it for every single like a card or interaction that you had. Uh, Chris, what about you? Favorite magic experience all time? Boy, once again, uh, I, it's, a, it's a pretty loaded question because uh, like uh, it's, hard to, it's hard to pick and choose, right? What my favorite thing is, but honestly, it's... We're... We're going to go, like, fully corny with this. It's the friends we make along the way. Go on. Then <laughs> <laughs> crushing my enemies, but, you know. It's not like just, you know, turning coma sideways or, like, sacking, uh, what are they, coma coils to oh attack you and your opponent's things. I mean, so, so we talk about that. Like, I mean, when I tested that game against you guys, like, I didn't even, like, I don't think I even had coma onto the field. I might have, I might have but, like, it was Scoot Swarm that won that game. So, I mean... Yeah. You were like, I'm not sure what power level this deck is. So, I'm just going to play it and see where it is. So, I played Najeelah, I think. Because I was like, that's a good, like, turning point of, like, kind of see, like, where your power level was. And you just wiped the floor with all of us. I was, I was like, like, okay. Like, yeah, Najeelah's pretty pretty well uh, pretty well optimized. Uh, very much on, like, the higher end scale of high. Uh, maybe close to CDH. And... It just w went off, but I mean, unfortunately, like that thing is really equipped to versing other, like CDH level decks, so I can see where it kind of fell off a little bit. Yeah, I think I think then, uh, you know, talking about that a little bit, favorite, it just favorite magic experience is just all the experiences, um, especially deck building. Like I love, 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 love deck building, and I like trying to find new and interesting ways to show off my my capabilities as, as like uh, a player and um, just the random nonsense that I can think of, uh, especially with a new deck that I'm planning right now, which is just, I'll just, I'll just say it right now. It's just called angry tribal. You can think of that for a second. <laughs> Every card has like a mad angry face on it. Mm, not quite. <laughs> oh, is every card anger? I wish. Does every card make somebody <laughs> angry? <laughs> the cards themselves are, are going, are going to get angry. Enrage? Yeah, there you go. Yeah. yeah, Enrage is like the only mechanic I could think of that would make them angry. It's the Enrage mechanic, and there's a new card that was spoiled, and I'm very excited to play with it. Oh. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> the... Angry Tribal. <laughs> is that the Dragon Lord guy? All right, all right. I see where you're going with this. Oh, kind of, yeah. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. Spoiler alert, much? Jeez. Hey, we didn't this say a name. It's okay. <laughs> 
All right. Well, back to Jake. What would you say uh, is one way that magic has helped you? Honestly, you know, for, for me, magic has always just been about the, the social aspect, um, at, at least prior to getting involved with, with the command of cause and everything. Uh, just a, just being a way to sit around with friends and drink beer and and not have to go out of the house or do anything. You know, you can just sit there at the table and tell stories and goof off, but you've got something to occupy you. Um, and just having that to kind of help bring bring me together with certain friend groups uh, is is easily got to be the best part. You know, I, I was talking about it earlier, but the people I started playing magic with, they're still my best friends. I'm still going and playing magic and drinking beers with them later this week. Um, and, I, and I like to think it's it's helped keep us together and help keep us friends in its own way. Um, and and that's the, I, guess, I guess that's kind of copying Albino, but, you know, the friends we make along the way. And it, it, it helps with that, even for existing friends. Yeah, it was the same for me when um, I'm from New York originally. And uh, when I first moved down here, obviously, I didn't know anybody. Uh, but one of the first things I did was go on. I think I went on Facebook or something and I posted in like a magic group. Like, hey, I just moved down here. I'm looking for people to play with. And then uh, uh, my now one of my closest friends on here, John, he uh, he reached out to me. He was like, hey, we uh, I'm uh, I'm in, I'm at the, at the time I lived in Davenport. He's like, I live in Davenport, too. Uh, I play magic. Uh, we can get together sometimes and play. And at the time, it was just uh, me and him. We play one V one. He had a friend named Chad that he played with sometimes that also joined us. And then uh alec or john's neighbor alex which i mentioned earlier uh he also we found that he also plays and now that 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 just became my play group still is uh, a play uh, i play with them uh it used to be about once a week but we haven't played in a little while uh i've been having some car trouble and stuff so uh but yeah that just goes to show like as as much as magic is just a game which is a healthy way to look at it it really does open up a lot of opportunities for socializing that you wouldn't otherwise have. So it's almost like it's in the name, you know, Magic Magic the Gathering. Yeah, <laughs> it's weird how that works. <laughs> I feel like in the last year, because of, you know, the, the world stopping and everything, we kind of lost the gathering aspect of Magic. And we kind of got into this whole, like, webcam disassociation with Rule Zero and trying to keep it fun at the table for everybody instead of just you because you're not really having to be in the same room as someone that you've just pub stomped. But I guess like in the vein of what Paul said, I mean, I moved to this country and I really only had one person to play magic with. And that was my partner. And we got sick of versing one-on-one and she was working at a bookstore and they hosted a, we asked if we could host like a magic night on Fridays because I mean, you know, Friday night's the day we, you know, the night where everyone plays magic. And in Davenport, there is no local LGS. So we just took, well, I guess it was a local GS because, you know, L stands for local in LGS. Anyway, um, so we kind of organized this uh, this magic night where for the first three weeks it was just me and her again playing in a cafe up there at the bookstore at uh, uh, Books a Million in Davenport. And then slowly but surely people started showing up. We, we, we got our friend Micah who came in and then he brought his friend Sean and then randoms started showing up and then there was Michael and Gary and all that and... Um, some really cool guys that we still talk to now. Uh, we haven't really hung out as much as we used to back then. Cause that was once a week we would do that. Cause it was Friday nights magic and we haven't really hung out that much or played that much with them since because of everything. But now with everything opening back up, I'm going to try and get uh, some games organized with them again. Um, but really having that, that gathering aspect of like 
meeting people who have something in common and because you have magic in common it's really easy to form friendships with brand new with just strangers you've never met before because you have you know everyone's seen the same magic cards that you've seen and kind of come to the same conclusion that you've come to and the jokes that just kind of happen around those cards is just you know it, it just it flows out so nicely and so easily and then like you know i think paul you just showed up one day at bam um, I think we've told the story a couple times on the podcast now uh, of of how you know we got to hang out, and you just you rocked up with your backpack on and was like, "Hi, I'm Paul," and that was it. Yeah, you just you flitted straight into the group, and we all had a lot of fun with each other, and just got to you know play more and more magic. I, I think you know everybody loves talking about themselves, and not everybody loves listening to other people. And the thing about magic is, we all love talking about magic. Of course, you know that's I mean that's what we're doing here. But we all love listening about magic. You know, I love hearing people talk about their favorite deck. I hope they love hearing me talk about my favorite deck. And it's it's just a really easy way to break down that barrier between wanting to talk and being okay with listening. Yeah, it's like one of the best icebreakers whenever you meet and you like when you go to like when i go to johnny b's which is my lgs um i still feel a little bit like oh like there's i don't know anyone in there at the moment kind of thing but then like you you open it up to like everyone knows you sit at the magic counter and you can just like like i was there the other day to pick up something and this guy walked up to next to me and he's like i'll take a pack of uh, modern horizons to try to crack a fetch land and we got into a conversation just because he did that and I was like, oh, you know, those fetch lands, yada, yada, yada. And we got into a conversation about fetch lands and cold foiling and Modern Horizons 2 as a set and everything. And this is a guy that I never met before. And I was like, all right, cool. See you later, man. And that was it. It was just, that was it. Done. <laughs> Wait, did you, did you really, did you really say, oh, you know, those fetch lands? Like, that's such a dad way to introduce a conversation. <laughs> yeah, man. Of course I did. He was like, he was like, I'm going to try and crack a fetch land. I was like, oh, those fetch lands, eh? Oh, buddy. Like, let me tell you a story about them fetch lands. <laughs> Uh, you know those fetch lands are they're really something i may not i may not be a dad but my dad jokes and like i just on like on another level bro <laughs> but i mean it started a whole conversation about fetch lands and about cold foiling and modern horizons 2 as a full set and then when we don't we were done with the conversation i didn't even catch the guy's name i just said all right mate i'll see you later and he was like yep yeah, cool and just off he went and then he went and played magic and i went and jumped in the car and came home jake uh, we've been doing all this talking, haven't heard from you yet. Uh, what's one way magic has helped you? Actually, that was me who hasn't hasn't talked about that yet. Oh, je- yes, Chris. <laughs> sorry, I had the right person in mind, and I said the wrong name. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. Um, <laughs> it just maybe always makes me laugh. Um, so the whole social thing is is always great, but for me, I've always been a, a bit of a social butterfly. Um, so for me, that's not. Like, I'll always be that person who comes up and talks to other people. That's always what I've been, what I've been doing. For me, though, magic has helped me um, personally improve my my critical thinking skills and my capabilities of ordering situations. Um, and the reason I say this is because when you play magic, and this this is almost pretty much everyone, we've all, we've all seen this and we've all done it. Um, it has a way of doing two different things to you. It has a way of either making you a bit more emotional, especially when that big thing comes down and someone just removed your big thing or someone removed like your maybe inconsequential thing. Uh, and there's a much bigger threat on the table and you're like, ah, my emotions are going crazy. And that can kind of breed uh, a bit of toxicity. We've, we've all, we've all seen a little bit of that. or even been part of that. Um, but then the other thing that can happen, especially as you play more and you get more used to it is it allows you to take, take a step back 
especially if you can take a step back, look at the board, and examine things in a different in a different eye, essentially, especially if you remove yourself from the emotional portion of it. And you can sit there and you can analyze everything happening in front of you, and it can help you make much better decisions onto which is a more important thing to deal with now, and then what can I deal with later that won't immediately impact me now. And that has a way of making itself back into your real into real life situations and can help you not be that person who just stands there, not be the bystander who uh, is just in the way at this point. It helps you become more of an act, take an active role in especially very crazy situations that just happen, whether it be uh, someone yelling at another person or yelling at you and you're not able to handle it or whatever, or when much bigger situations happen, like the collapse of that condo in Florida. I believe it was in Florida. And, you know, people taking action right away versus people not doing anything and just standing there and being like, oh, my God. So thanks, Magic the Gathering. I think what that is is herd mentality of the someone else will do it, so what I don't have to do it is what it kind of helps you to prevent from happening, I guess. Right, right. Well, I think that happens in Magic all the time when people, you, you know, see a big threat and, of course, they have removal and they hit something else or they don't do anything about it and people are like oh you're not going to take care of that i was like nah it's not really bothering me right now i'll let somebody else take care of it right and that's that's part of that thing too where you can sit there and be like well that's a big problem but that's not the worst problem yeah the worst problem is like having a big old threat on the board and not using your removal straight away like i understand that like you want to try and keep your removal for when something is really oppressing you but mm-hmm. this is where politics comes into commander and talking to you and being like i can get rid of that if I get something from you from the other two players uh, that's going to benefit me later and down the track because I'm going to waste my removal spell and you guys are going to have your removal spells when you get them. Don't use them on my thing because I got rid of that that let you play magic. Right, exactly. And um, I, I 100% agree with that too. It's like, it's like you, you need to, it, it helps you, helps you make those decisions in my person, in my opinion, on the fly without letting your emotions get in the way and, you know, not just coming out there and be like, oh, that's a big problem. I should get rid of that right now. Or, you know, looking at it and then looking at everyone else's boards and being like, that may that may seem like a problem. But is it? Is it? Unless it's unless it's a Nivizet, then is it is actually the, the answer. You <laughs> <laughs> is it? Yes, it is. When it comes to Niv-Mizzet, the answer is yes, it is always a problem. <laughs> it's always a problem. You know, Chris, I, I actually thought about answering that the same way. I think that's I think that's really good outlook on it the the strategic thinking that it brings in we think it's a game but it's you know some people sit around and do a crossword puzzle every day we sit around and play a game of magic every day uh it's it keeps you sharp i think that was a really good really good answer because i almost use it too so i like that thank you it's also had studies done on it that helps helps to stave away slash prevent alzheimer's and dementia so play more magic unless you play that one card uh altar of what is it called altar of dementia just do fast pace your dementia your dementia track see i got there funny <laughs> jokes dad jokes are on a whole new level all right so lastly we've got one last question we're going to ask you guys before we get out of here for the week um jake what mechanic if any do you feel is most underrepresented in commander phasing in and phasing out absolutely no question about it uh, i i was thrilled thrilled when we got that new tafiri um what what is it tafiri master of time last year or so uh and and i I think we need way more of that especially from a from a defensive point of view i think phasing something out is just 
such a cool idea to protect it but not give you the advantage of it still being there and i i think we need 10 times more of it than we have now so i just want to clarify you mean phasing in terms of like to like to furious protection or something Right. Well, I was going to say, because Teferi's Protection is one of the most popular white cards in the format. Well, yeah, but but there's not a lot of cards that do that, though. Right. So you just mean in terms of, like, just pure value as a, as a protection mechanic, not a one-time, like, oh, uh, all my stuff's gone, oh, but now yeah, it'll yep. come back on my exactly. turn. Exactly. You mean, like, you want to face stuff Yep. Like, constantly. you know, I, I was excited when Teferi Master of Time came out for a while. I thought he could face your own creatures out. And then it's, you know, it's either protection or it's or it's defense and it, it, it's just so flexible you can protect your own stuff you can keep something from hitting you you can make a deal and save somebody else's thing uh and yeah i want i want repeatable effects of that and i want it to just be a, a more present aspect of the game you know what was cool about them reintroducing phasing to me is that it really shows how much more complicated this game has gotten that this mechanic that they actually stopped because of how complex it was right which was basically the reason why they stopped doing it is now just like something that we understand completely. No questions asked. Like you just say, you treat it like it doesn't exist. That's all you need to say. And now all of a sudden phasing is fine. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look at Oubliette. Oubliette got a full rework, uh, like a, a, I guess an Oracle text to make it work more in modern magic. And I love that card. That card needs to see more play and we need more reprints of Oubliette. Doesn't it permanently take out a commander now? Um, didn't we just say phasing is really easy to understand and we're like it's complicated <laughs> <laughs> awkward silence uh, no it doesn't Um, because it would get exiled and then you could still choose to from exile put it into the command zone oh no no so but if but if Oblet leaves and you counter the trigger to bring it back in it stays phased out and you can't and you can't move it to the command zone when it's phased out yeah, it doesn't technically move uh, it doesn't move zones and the only re- way you can move commanders is by moving zones. It's the same as if you do it with uh, with Rune. If you flicker something with Rune and then you stifle the effect, the commander is just gone forever. Yep, yep. So I don't know, maybe we don't need more of it now that I'm thinking about all the times my commander would cease to exist. Gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Taking away the mo- like one of the aspects of the game is is to play your commander and then you're just like, oh no, it's gone forever. Like You never get that. Like it, it literally doesn't exist. You have a 99 card deck now. I feel like as we're talking, like that meme where the numbers and everything are going over the that lady's face is just is Paul right now. He's just trying to think of like what's the best way to to explain how this works. Well, I mean, the the real trick is to find a way to phase out Oubliette, right? Yeah. Well, see, we see we need we need more tools so that we can break Oubliette. I think I had come up with something one time where it's like if you have like opalescence out and a panharmonicon and you Oubliette. And you target somebody's creature and your own Oubliette. That I think that works. I'm not entirely sure. I'm fairly <laughs> sure it does because it. the first because <laughs> the first trigger of Oubliette happens. Oubliette goes away or whatever, and then the other trigger of Oubliette happens. But because there's no more Oubliette on the battlefield, Oubliette can't leave the battlefield. So you just face something out forever. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess go nuts with that. <laughs> <laughs> Do whatever you see fit with phasing. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I love it how we're just like, it's super easy to understand. And then here we, here we are. Like, how does this really work again? It really is, but Oubliette wasn't always worded with phasing. 
it so, wasn't. no, it wasn't. Yeah, it, it doesn't work quite as well as other phasing cards do. Yeah, I think I think I, we just got that new one in Modern Horizons too that phases out all your creatures, like the mini Tefiri's protection. And I, I just I, I love that. I want to see more of it. Yes, and that card is sick. I, I, I haven't got it yet. I haven't got to play it yet, but one of these days. Chris, right name this time. Hey. Uh, what mechanic uh, do you feel is most underrepresented, in Commander? So, Ikoria came out not too long ago, and Ikoria is awesome. I think a lot of people can agree that we got a lot of really cool stuff in Ikoria. Um, I was a super huge fan, initially, of Mutate. I love the mechanic of Mutate because it just it, there's just so much cool nonsense you can do with it. But, looking at it more critically, taking a look at the, the mechanic as a whole, and sitting there, it's like, well, this is just like, this is like Bestow, but with, like, not as good. With not as good. Um, because... Bestow came out back in Theros, and it was an awesome mechanic. It was basically you take an enchantment creature, turns it into an aura. When that creature dies, you have a creature. You still have a creature. Um, so you can still actively have some defense on your side of the board. When you mutate, that's it. They take your they, they take that creature out, it's gone for good. Um, or at least unless you play a bunch of reanimation. And then this made this really very like kind of talked about mechanic. And it was talked about a lot. Kind of fell on its face, except for like one or two fringe cards. Them being like Nethroi, who's just like, yeah, I'll mutate and get all your stuff out your li- out your graveyard. Um, so while well, we got a bunch of really awesome mutate cards in Ikoria, they should have did it in a in a block set, which I miss. By the way, I miss block sets. because uh, more mutate, please. It's funny that you say mutate because. The mutate mechanic was literally the reason why Paul and I started the podcast was because we were getting so many messages in our group chat uh, for BAM that we were just like, I think I rang you, Paul, and was like, we have to talk about mutate and companion and all this other stuff that's going to be, you know, coming in commander so that even if just our friends listen to it, like they'll then know what we think kind of stuff. And that's how, that's how commander at arms was born. So it was like, we have microphones, we have recording software. We just got off doing the D and D podcast. Why don't we just sit in the closet together like, like in separate places uh, because of COVID and record over the internet? You know, I like mutate as well. At first it really bothered me. Um, I thought it was kind of a complicated mechanic, especially for a standard set, but it really grew on me after seeing other people play with it after playing with a few of the cards myself. And what really bothers me most about Mutate is the fact that it will probably always be underrepresented for a couple reasons. One, it probably didn't do that well, and because they saw that it didn't do that well, they're probably going to be hesitant to return to Mutate. And two, if they ever did return to Mutate, because it's such a niche mechanic tied to such a weird realm, how are they ever outside of supplementary sets going to re- revisit mutate it just it just boggles like i love the mechanic and you know i talked about the whole the because back in the day and back in the day being like only just a couple of years ago honestly we had the whole like ravnica set block again and then after war of the spark they're like all right cool no more set blocks we're just gonna just put a bunch of one-offs i was like what what why and I feel like I feel like I feel like we could, we could have had so much more cool stuff if they just had a whole block of Ikoria. Yeah, and I guess technically we're getting some kind of block this year because of the whole Innistrad thing. I don't really know how that's working, but it just it really bothers me that when we had set our blocks, we used them, which is a weird way to phrase it, but we used those blocks on 
Planes we had already visited so many times. Like, how many times did we go to Ravnica? Three. It's a cool plane and all, but like, do something else, man. <laughs> yeah, I think that's my my biggest gripe with Ravnica, Innistrad, and Zendikar is they're always trying to go back, and it's like they're trying to revisit the heydays of like original Zendikar block and original Ravnica block every single time we go back there, and they're just not quite hitting the mark. Like every time we go back to Zendikar, we always get you know, the fetch lands. Whenever we go back to Ravnica, we always get the shock lands. So it's like, just like, I like the, the, the smaller, like Strixhaven, uh, Ikoria, uh, and just, you know, the, the, those other planes, like the brand new planes we've never been to before because they can do really cool things mechanically. Like, yeah, okay. Mutate, we're probably never going to go back there unless we go back to, to Ikoria for some specific reason, if they want right. to do it again. Um, but I just, I don't know. I mean, maybe it's always just going to be uh, underrepresented in Commander because, like you said, we only have one really good Commander in um, in Nethroy, and that thing is just an Abzan, you know, recursion powerhouse. Like, yeah, it is. It is one powerful deck. It's a very powerful deck. I, there's someone on our server on the uh, Commander Cost server, Pineapple. He runs a Nethroy deck, and it is spicy, bro. It is so spicy. <laughs> I love that deck. All right. So we're going to move to our end step now. We're going to do our normal end of the show wrap up stuff. We're going to clean up and then get out of here for the week. So uh, where can we find you guys? We are on uh, Twitch, Twitter, and we have our own website. Uh, it's commandthecause.org. Uh, Twitch, we are commandthecausemtg. And then on Twitter, we are also Command the Cause MTG, and I, I think we can shoot all those over to you to include in the uh, in the podcast there. Yeah, we'll have all those in the show notes below or the description of the video. Uh, Chris, where can we find you on the internet? Uh, so I, like I said before, I run the the Twitch for the or I run the Sunday Twitch for the Command the Cause, but then I also have my own stuff that I do. Uh, so you can find me on Twitch. Uh, Elbleezy, it's it's E L B L E E Z Y, um, and you can find me on there twitch.tv slash Elbleezy. Uh, I have an Instagram which is Elbleezy01, and then because people keep taking my name, <laughs> and then you can find me on Twitter uh, at Elbleezy3. So on Twitch or uh, Instagram, you'll see the models and stuff that I've done, and on uh, Twitter, you'll see my my posts of when I go live and such so awesome uh yes everyone just go go check them out go and uh like their you know like their instagram like their uh their twitter go and follow them on twitch do whatever you can to show them some love uh i want to thank you guys for coming on the show uh we've had a lot of fun sitting down and having a good old chat with you guys getting to know you uh and getting to you know promote your uh cause on the show here yeah man absolutely we are uh we are thrilled to have been here uh really love your podcast after Chris introduced me to it a few weeks ago. And this was, this was definitely a highlight to get to sit here and, and just chat with you guys. We'll have to have to do it again. We'll have you on our stream next time. Yeah, definitely. Uh, we'll put a link out to that when it happens. Um, and with that, you guys know what we're going to do now. We're going to plug some stuff of ours. So if you guys want to get at, at us, talk to us, you know, interact with us in any way, you can do that through Twitter and Instagram at CMDR at arms. Uh, we also have the YouTube channel where you're probably, if you're not watching this, go and check it out. We do deck techs, unboxings, and gameplay videos will be coming up very, very shortly. I know I say this every single week, and 
I guess, what can I say? It's definitely in the works. Uh, you can find that on YouTube at Commander at Arms. If you want to support us while supporting local game stores and still buying online, you can do that through our TCG affiliate link, which is tcgplayer.com slash Commander at Arms. If you want to get a merch shirt and rep the Commander at Arms logo across your chest, we have our super soft Bella Canvas shirts on sale. The link will be in the show notes below or the description of the YouTube video. And then I want to just shout out all of our patrons. Without your support, we wouldn't be able to keep the lights on here in the studio. And it just, it shows that you guys love what we do and any help lets us produce more content for you and help to reach out to other content creators like Chris and Jake from Command the Cause. And that's it from me. Paul, do you have any final parting words? Uh, thank you everybody for tuning in and listening. Uh, even if this is the first and last episode you ever have or ever will listen to, it really means a lot to myself and James that you took the time to do so. And I especially uh, especially appreciate you giving some time to listen to our guests. Uh, it means a lot to us that they came on as well. So thank you again, Jake and Chris. <clears throat> um, with that being said, if you enjoy what you're listening to, uh, please make sure that you share our name around with your friends, with your playgroup, with your LGS. You know, just get our name out there as much as possible. Uh, even just a single uh, extra listen per week helps us out a lot. Uh, any exposure at all. So uh, thank you very much for doing that if you have been. And uh, if you're going to start doing it, thanks in advance for doing so. And with that, I'm James. And I'm Paul. And you've been listening to the newest episode of the Commander at Arms podcast. Peace. See ya.